everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Candor's Candor. As always, I am your community manager, Dreamweaver, and I am joined by Kyle Candor Valley, our creative director for EQ2 and a new installment. This is episode two of season two uh, because uh, I have the power to make those decisions and I have decided that. Uh, we actually have a another special episode today i guess because this is our second episode with a guest uh, and we'll be introducing that guest in just a little while but uh it is raining outside and there has been a little bit of thunder uh and uh i kind of like having the podcast on these gloomy days uh what about you kyle <laughs> yeah what <laughs> are you laughing why are you laughing <laughs> feels rude uh, yeah, like a direct attack. It's, it's it's gloomy today, that's for sure. We can't make we can't make small talk before we introduce our guests. Like I like building the anticipation for our players. Do you think right. that's, is that a problem? It it's not a problem. Thanks. I uh, just find it I find it humorous. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, since we've now done the most awkward build up I could possibly think of. Uh, I would like to welcome our second special guest ever, uh, our lead designer. Uh, you guys know him as Keith, uh, and uh, I know him by other names, but we'll stick with Keith for now. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Keith. Welcome to Candor's Candor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I think uh, Kyle's real problem is he has to clean up after his dogs are playing in the mud puddles whenever it's raining. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, that's yes. fair. Yeah, I can see that. They're out uh, making mud pies. My dog tends to be scared of the rain. I don't know if that's because he's blind or if it's because he's old or if because he's a scaredy cat, but he does not like the rain all that much. So uh, he does not prefer to go out in it and even refuses to use the restroom when it starts raining. So that's fun. Uh, but you don't want to hear more about my dog. And uh, we probably won't cut this, so there's information about my dog for all of you. Congratulations. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, this is kind of a more general podcast, uh, more than answering specific questions, um, which we will get back to doing, I promise. Uh, we will get back to answering specific questions for all of you. And if you are uh, here only for the PvP information, make sure to stay tuned at the end where we will have that. Uh, so you have to listen to all the rest of this first, where we are going to take kind of a longer view and uh, specifically talk about kind of design philosophy and EverQuest 2. Um, but what I want to start with, um, Keith, can you kind of... Tell us how you got started as a game designer um, and things like that, and how maybe that somewhat informed your view on design philosophy. Sure. Um, how I got started as a game designer uh, was kind of actually atypical for us at the time, uh, or you know, you know, though I was one of the last to go this route for us as a game designer, as I started the company as a CS or tech support specifically. Um, and then I got picked up after a couple of months there as an apprentice uh, for EverQuest 2 after playing it for many, many years uh, before that. Um, 
an apprentice job is essentially uh, you know you do all of uh, the little things uh, that let the bigger picture stuff uh, fall to uh, the people you know that are more in depth uh, in depthly you know knowledgeable about them. Uh, so I did a whole lot of, uh, of anything from itemization to you know just changing all of the files all the time, uh, which that, that actually hasn't really changed with my job. Um, at, in in ways that allow the you know, other teammates to you know, you know step aside from just that essentially the the busy work. Um, from there, I just uh, worked lots and lots of hours uh, and enjoyed it and continued on until they decided to keep me on full time. And now that's that's essentially my road to being hired and my road for how I became a dev. Um, how I kind of uh, uh, shaped my my you know uh, philosophies from that is well we have a lot of we have a lot of systems and everything in in our game so i had to delve in at least in some way to all of those systems when i was uh, coming up and that's that's uh, uh, you know, how i kind of focus on things is make sure i keep all of those parts in mind uh, and uh, and go from there. Okay. Um, so when you started as an apprentice, what is the first thing you ended up working on? Um, like, it was it something player facing, or was it something that was uh, uh, well, not player facing? I guess. Wow. Wait, that was an awful way to ask that question. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, though actually, yeah, it kind of was both. Um, uh, the thing I very first started working on that was a bigger system, uh, something that uh, wasn't just like, you know, fix this, you know, you know small quest here, or that kind of thing, uh, was the passive uh, spell system that we had uh, for a short time, where it essentially showed all of the many, many, many buffs on uh, every player in a passive spell window. Um, we have hundreds and hundreds of buffs that are on every player all the time. Like each AA is is a buff, and and all. So for the longest time, we didn't have any of that detail listed where a player can access it. Uh, so we implemented the the uh, passive buff uh, window. Uh, eventually, we actually decided to get rid of that window, anyways, uh, because it was one of the contributors to client lag because it was loading those spells a second time just to show them to you. So we don't we don't do that now. Got it. Um, you started as a apprentice. You became a designer. What uh, was the first expansion you were actually lead des mechanics designer on, or lead designer? Uh, the first uh, one that I was the the lead mechanics designer was uh, expansion eleven, Altar of Malice. Okay, cool. Uh, so getting more into the design philosophy, you kind of talked about all of our systems interacting with each other and having to keep that in mind. How does that sort of, um, there is a word that I'm looking for that I swear I'll remember. Uh, Influence? Yeah, how does, thank you. Kyle, thank you. I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, how does that influence uh, how you approach design? It's essentially trying to keep in mind that there's a bigger picture. No matter what thing we're talking about right now, there is more to it than is initially perceived. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, 
taking something, you know, an, an everyday, you know, thing, uh, take a, a, you know, a traffic light uh, that you have to deal with going to work every day. Um, it sure is a pain in the, you know, rear to have to deal with that traffic light every day. And you think it would be really great if they just took that out. But overall, if you take that out, it snarls up traffic at other places. And then you have to deal with that as a bigger picture type of, uh, of, of uh, problem. And that's essentially what I mean by that is, if I change one thing, there's going to be other things that are impacted by whatever I change, and that has to be, you know, considered as much as we can. It's okay. like a it's like a giant circuit board, and if you mess with one thing, you could literally like shut off lights in five districts. It's like bards in EverQuest One. Oh gosh, uh, I mean the the way I kind of think about it sometimes is, uh, you, you know that game? Uh, it's not called Pick Up Sticks. There's a game <laughs> that my brain can't remember. It's not like Jenga, but you used to put sticks in a, a circular uh, kind of cylinder, and there would be a uh, marble, and you would have to pull the sticks out until you figure it out. It's sort of like Jenga, but basically you weren't trying to have the marble fall. Similar to Jenga, like you don't want the tower to fall. So you're constantly trying each of these things and just hoping that the tower doesn't fall. And that's kind of what it feels like sometimes because of how they're interconnected and all the things that you have to be aware of. Is that kind of a good way for players to kind of visualize what we're working through? Absolutely. Uh, and it, it's especially good because I mean, any small motion on it can be magnified greatly because everything we have is multipliers on multipliers. So making a tiny change at the base end or even on something that seems relatively lightly related can have a very magnified effect uh, you know, when it actually you know gets into the game. So yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, more specifically, when we're thinking about design and mechanics design and spells and itemization and things like that, especially for like the most recent expansion and things like that, or for previous ones, um, what do you view as kind of like, maybe not your perfect scenario, but the scenario that what we have to work in, understanding that uh, sometimes players and devs have conflicting opinions on that. Um, and ultimately the devs have to execute their vision while listening to player concerns. Not sure I understood your question. I mean, that, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I've rewritten this question like five times. I'm not sure I understand it completely. Uh, it, it, I guess the question can basically be down to one thing. When you look at the expectations that you have for players, sometimes those player expectations differ. What do you think the ex expectations you have for players are to progress through something from like a gear standpoint? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it, I know what you're driving at there. Uh, so for... My expectations for progression are, you know, as simple. It, it should be reward 
uh, you know, equals, you know, you know, time investment uh, and effort. And that effort can be anything from more time investment to a super challenging fight to I have to gather 23 of my, my closest friends so someone can yell at me about no DKP, uh, minus DKPs. Um, <clears throat> or it can be, um, I've had to do a huge uh, prerequisites, uh, you, know, you know, string beforehand. So. There's a whole lot of uh, of of uh, you know how how did this become this difficult and why should it reward any of that? But it also has to be balanced with that on just the pure I I want to get something quick and I want to get something easy because everybody needs to have something that they can get in and they can see that they can obtain quickly. Uh, so you've got kind of got these both of those you know dichotomies going on uh, and you need to have a little bit of both of them to both reward immediately and give people go, hey, you know what, this is great. And then also something to continue to obtain as time goes on. Because ultimately, if you get too many rewards too quickly, you don't have anything else to get. And if you don't have anything else to get, you don't log in as often, so you're not playing with your friends. So your friends don't have you there to help them you know, continue to enjoy themselves. So they might not, you know, log in as often. And so, so really it's, it's a, a dichotomy between here's your, here's something that you can get relatively easily, but also here's something that we want you to put in more time, more effort in to obtain to, you know, be able to get, you know, that more power that makes the next fights easier or even possible. Yeah. Did that answer that question? I think so. Yeah. No, I think that answered that question super well. Um, I, I think it's also important to note that like you aren't designing these progressions in a vacuum. You're looking at what Ninja is doing in his designs. You're looking at what uh, Kroll is doing in his designs. You're looking at what Kathiel is doing in his designs, and all of those things have to mesh with each other. Um, and uh, the same goes for all of them as well. So. I, I think it's important for players to understand that none of these designers are designing their things alone in a vacuum. Like these are systems that have to interact with each other in sometimes very specific ways. Um, is that, is that a, is that correct? It's absolutely. I mean, I, you, we can't make, you know, itemization for, you know, for one without knowing where the mobs are where the encounters are supposed to be and how difficult they're supposed to be. Uh, so we work with the designers on those. Um, and sometimes things don't shape up exactly as, uh, you know, they're, they're intended because you know, when you encounter it in live, something might end up being more complex due to various reasons. Like, you know, just movement is, is, is different when you're dealing with it on a, a live server, you know, you know, whatever. So sometimes we need to make tweaks, but they're all they're all interacting with the content designer uh, to get to where we, you know, find where our rewards are going to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, that's kind of a lot of the questions that players have tend to be a bit more specific, and there definitely aren't for this very specific podcast. Um, but in general, do you have kind of like, I guess the best way to ask this is kind of like a blue sky design. Is there a design that like you think that works well that you just haven't been able to implement yet or something that you wish would work? Uh, it's one of those like, if if everything in the, was perfect in a perfect world, what is your perfect design for something like this? I would actually say that there is not such a thing for 
EverQuest 2 specifically, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, there is something like, you know, it, you, you can say you jump into another game and it's the absolute best game you've ever played. You love it. It's perfect. Um, but if you transition a current game that you're enjoying right now into that exact same game, it's not perfect. Uh, uh, you know, you, and old example um you know you know, you know you know game a little game called star wars galaxies a long time ago changed what its core was to meet a new goal and it made everybody very unhappy um so you, we can't really go for that pie in the sky perfect game because the people that are currently playing everquest 2 they all have a different idea of what their perfect game is and we have to kind of try to hit what's great for all of them, not anyone specific. And we also can't change up too much because now it becomes the game that you weren't playing and you don't want to continue to play a new game. You want to play your old game, the thing you were logging into and having a good time with. Um, so, I mean, while there is that in, in theory, I don't think that is something that exists for a game, especially of this age, in practice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to pivot real quick towards the end um, and ask just uh, kind of more fluffy questions. Uh, do you have a favorite raid while you were a player or as a designer? Plane of War. Plane of War? It, it beat me down multiple times. I had to wait until we got a level bump to be able to, to win at it. Oh, One wow. of my favorite raids, yeah. Nice. Uh, and our final pivot of the podcast, something I promised at the beginning and something as we're wrapping up, we have more PVP news to share. It may not be everything you're hoping for, but it is some questions you've been asking. So Kyle or uh, Kate, if you would like to take it away and uh, let our PVP uh, players know what they can expect uh, for the name of their server <laughs> and uh, when they might be hearing uh, more about the beta or uh, if we have kind of somewhere we're targeting for the beta. Yeah, so we've we've decided uh, the name of the PvP server is going to be Terranax. Um, <clears throat> we took that name from uh, a poll we did once upon a time and asked for names of, you know, what what people would like to see their um, server named. And um, I think we boiled it down to four names that were real popular. Um, one of them was Death Toll and one of them was Terranax. So we decided we decided that that one was probably the most fitting. Um, we didn't want to call it Nagafin again. So um, Ter Terranax is the new hotness. Wait, you didn't and, like um, my Nagafin 2 electric boogaloo idea? I, I did like it, but... Oh. It doesn't okay. fit on the loading screen. No, that makes and sense. And then, um, and then, um, as far as we are shooting for, um, opening a beta for Tyranax for the PvP server, um, early April. So you heard it here, folks. We're shooting for early April to open the beta for you all after uh, we've launched our GU for live. And uh, Kate, thank you very much for being our second guest ever. Thank you for having me. It was awesome having you on. We will do it again. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything you'd like to say? Um, I would like to say meep. That is definitely a thing. 
<laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of Candor's Candor. As always, I'm your friendly community manager, Dreamweaver, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.